podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. We're recording on Sunday night because we've got quite a busy week coming up, what with the return of the Champions League. So we thought we would record on Sunday. That means that there are still a, a couple of games still to be completed, but this is what's happened so far on match day 24. Hi Sydney, by the way. Didn't say hello. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Phil. How are you? I'm, I'm, there's a couple of minutes to go to half-time in the Athletic game. Yes, we're actually, I can see you're avidly <laughs> watching it, so you watch away while I uh, I tell the listeners what happened elsewhere on uh, match day 24. The Friday night game saw uh, Real Betis continue their uh, excellent run of form in uh, 2021, uh, beating Hitachi by a goal to nil. Uh, then on Saturday, Elche ended their 16-match winless streak by beating Abar 1-0, the first match back in charge for Fran Escribar and a, a winning return for the former uh, Elche manager. Then the surprise of the weekend... Or not, but certainly a very big surprise. Actually, it's a huge surprise. Levante uh, winning 2-0 at the Estadio Wanda Metropolitano, beating leaders Atletico Madrid as their first home defeat in La Liga since December 2019. Also come off the back of a a 1-1 draw in midweek against Levante. So uh, uh, the side from Valencia taking four points off Atletico Madrid in the space of three days. Uh, Then Valencia getting a a really important 2-0 victory over Celta Vigo to move them further away from the relegation zone and uh, slightly um, into a, a more palatable position in the table, although still 12th in the table is not, not good enough for Valencia, but they're further away from the relegation zone. And then on Saturday night, uh, we saw Real Madrid beat Valladolid by a goal to nil, the only goal of the game scored by Casemiro, a header in the 65th minute, his fifth league goal of the game, he, of the season rather, he is Real Madrid's second top scorer after Karim Benzema, who's got 12. Then on Sunday, Barcelona dropping points in incredible fashion, Cadiz. Getting an 89th minute penalty scored by Alex Fernandez, brother of Real Madrid's Nacho Fernandez, Real Madrid Youth Academy product Alex Fernandez, massive Real Madrid fan Alex Fernandez doing his uh, side or his team, the team that he supports a big favour by scoring that penalty, cancelling out uh, Lionel Messi's first half penalty. More to come on that game, a game in which Cadiz had 19% possession but still managed to, to get um, a point having beaten Barcelona earlier this season with 18% possession. Uh, so there we go. Uh, Real Sociedad thrashing Alaves by uh, four goals to nil. Alexander Isak scoring in a sixth consecutive game. This time he scored a hat-trick. Uh, Porto getting the uh, fourth goal for Real Sociedad, who bounced back from that very disappointing Europa League thrashing at the hands of uh, Manchester United on Thursday evening in perfect fashion. And then Wesker with a huge result at the bottom of the table uh, coming from behind to beat Granada by three goals to two, leaving them just two points away from safety. They are still bottom Wesker, but they are right in the battle to avoid relegation. Uh, coming up to half time, uh, as we record, Athletic Club nil, Villarreal one, but we won't talk about that. No, no, not anymore. Oh. Athletic one, Villarreal oh, one. Well. Alex Berenguer has just scored. There we go. And uh, yeah, the Monday night game is Osasuna against uh, Sevilla. Just as well we're recording on Sunday night, Sydney, because you're uh, uh, saving me from the ignominy of watching Rio 
uh, lose to uh, to Malaga. There's a, there's a great phrase in in Spanish which is "somos más malos que la droga." We're worse than drugs, and at the moment this is <laughs> is pretty much uh, what Rio are doing at, at, at Malaga. But but there we go. Um, we will kick off, I think, by um, talking about the game at the um, Wonder, which you were at. You witnessed firsthand Atletico Madrid's defeat, two nil defeat, at the hands of Levante. Was it a fair result, Sid? Well, I mean, I suppose uh, fair is quite a loaded um, word, isn't it? But I, I think it, I think it wasn't. No, I think that um, Atletico Madrid created sufficient chances. Certainly in the second half, I thought their first half was actually pretty poor. And when um, when Levante took the lead, they'd already had one really good chance. Uh, Morales clean through. Uh, slot, slotted the ball past uh, Oblak but just past the post and so they'd already had a chance to have been in, in the lead and, and the dog is now barking to go out this is um, this is this is the perils of, of live recording let her out let so her out. I, I, I'm going to it's absolutely pouring down with rain out there so she's going to come back in a minute soaking wet and she's basically woolen so um, so she'll make a terrible mess of everything anyway the door's open she can go out now um, the the first half wasn't good from Atletico Madrid. They didn't start well. They conceded early, which they've done far too often um, this season, and particularly done that far too often recently. It's now seven games in a row where they've conceded, which is the worst run since Simeone's been manager. But I thought the second half reaction um, was really quite good. They created sufficient chances. They certainly built sufficient pressure to have um, turned the game round and to have won it. And then, of course, the, the second goal, for those who haven't seen it, it's a corner in the, I think it's 93rd minute, I'm not sure uh, exactly which minute it is. Diego Simeone actually tells Oblak to go up. Oblak goes up. There's a little bit of grappling in the penalty area. Personally, I didn't realise it at the time, but I've seen the replay since. I think it probably is a penalty. Anyway, he goes down. Uh, Levante clear the ball. The next thing you know, De Frutos is running up the right wing. All Black is chasing him. Uh, and if you ha- get the chance to have a look at our Twitter feed, there's, there's, there's a couple of photographs of it. All Black literally chasing him back. And actually, it's a brilliant finish. There might be no one in the, in the goal, but he's right out on the touchline and right by the halfway line, he bends it into an empty net. That's from Fruity George. From Fruity George. It was a juicy finish. <laughs> um, anyway, it was... And, and I, I thought Atletico Madrid were... Probably deserved a little bit more, but I think what makes it—it had twenty-eight what shots. Makes it struck twenty-eight shots. 11 yeah, on and I think, and I think this. Admittedly, of those eleven, there's a couple of brilliant saves, mm. but there's only a couple. Most of them are relatively comfortable saves or comfortable blocks. Um, but I think what makes this interesting is that, and we've been talking about this in the pod for three or four weeks, even before this little blip came. We said, look, there is going to be a point at which they don't have a collapse. But they will not pick up points so quickly. They'll draw games. They'll lose the occasional game. They're not going to suddenly go on an awful run where they get beat every week. But they were they were walking the line for too long. Yeah. And you kind of felt like this couldn't be sustained. And the reason why I say that's interesting in, in the context of this game and indeed the game that they didn't win in midweek against Levante when, they, of course, they drew away at Levante was that in both of those games, they created more chances they were more creative, they were more attacking than they'd been in plenty of games that they mm. won and they mm. didn't win them. Yes. And, and we've talked a lot this season, um, particularly until about three games ago, about the, the extraordinary efficiency of Luis Suarez. So Luis Suarez gets the 16 goals in, in, in La Liga. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think at that time it was 16 goals from 18 shots on target. In other words, he gets a shot on target, it goes in. Since then, we've seen him hit the post, we've seen him hit the bar, we've seen him be denied endlessly by goalkeepers. And in a way, I suppose that's, that, 
that run that Atletico were on, at least statistically, was unsustainable. And I guess that's kind of what's happened now. Uh, where do you stand on XG, Sydney? Well, I stand on XG as a as a as a concept. I, I quite like it because, in a way, what it effectively effectively says is it's just a it's just a mathematical what would you call it expression of what of, of your classic pub conversation, <laughs> which is oh they should they should have scored two or three goals, isn't it? In a way, that's all it really is. Well, Atletico's XG for this game was two point seven nine, and Levante's was zero point eight seven, and Levante won two 0 Well, there you go. Yeah, so so there you go. I mean, I mean, I I don't fully understand because obviously I don't understand the the, the mechanics behind the maths. How you get uh, numbers that are not whole numbers, but there you go. That's that's by the by. But I th- I think that that's that's kind of striking. You look at the number of shots they've had these last few games. It's actually more than in previous games. But they had been on edge. You know, they scored very late against Alaves. Uh, they they've been in positions where I think they, they they scored late against what was the other one recently that they scored late well they scored late-ish against Granada with a deflected goal and um, so I, I think in a way it was likely that this would slow as we said for weeks but what's curious is it's happened at a time and actually they've created the chances to to have won these games quite comfortably. Hey, they scored late anyway. Abar was the other one. That's right. Abar was the other one. Yeah, with a slightly ropey penalty if I remember rightly. Correct. As well. um, you mentioned it's seven consecutive games, them conceding. They've never gone that long without a clean sheet under Simeone. Do you think there's any chance he might abandon the three-at-the-back idea uh, without Kieran Trippier? It's it's a lot harder. Well, I think, I think, I think look, I, there's, there's two different strands to this. Um, one is, and obviously you've asked the question directly, will he abandon three-at-the-back? Let me slightly re-ask your question, just, just as a way of answering it, and then we'll move on to the three-at-the-back. If the question was, will he abandon this this more attacking approach that they've had this season, this desire to play closer to the other team's penalty area, this desire to be further up the pitch, to to elaborate their moves a little bit more, that's Spanglish, isn't it? But you know what I mean, to build moves a little bit more, to keep possession more. If that had been the question, my answer would have been, I really hope not. Because, of course, we've seen this in, in, in seasons before, and we talked about this. In fact, remember we discussed whether the word involution was a real word, and it turned out mm-hmm. it was. You know, they, they evolve into something, and then they kind of they kind of evolve backwards if you sort of mean um, and I, I really hope they don't do that now to go directly to your question I don't necessarily think that going to four at the back would be an expression of doing that because I think you can play four at the back and still be very attacking um, and I think you're right that in part that free central defender structure was was kind of predicated on finding the perfect place for Trippier and having him be really important and then getting the other pieces to fit around it I think without Trippier they found it hard harder for it to work that said I think they would find it hard to work anyway if they were trying to find a right back mm. to be in a four um, and I actually think in a way they sort of played played uh, three central defenders even when they were only playing four at the back not five because they would often play Mario Amoso as a left back and he would then kind of tuck across to make a free when Trippier went up the pitch and so you weren't necessarily looking for a wing back I think Trippier's inclusion um, puts Marco Sorrenti in a better position because rather than being wide on the right, he comes as an inside right, and I think it works better, and he combines very well with Trippier. I think he's struggled because he's had to take Trippier's place, and it's not his natural role, and it puts him too far back. We've seen when Vasalico has played there, he's just not as good. We've seen the way they've tried to find other alternatives for it, whether it's Carrasco. Um, this weekend, Ricard came on and played and, and didn't have much of an impact. I, I mean, look, it's not all about Trippier. Let's not, let's, you know, let's not go there. But they've certainly missed him, and he's he's certainly integral to the to the way they had structured before. But I think there's other questions as well. 
some of the injuries have been really important to them. Uh, obviously, a lot of COVID cases as well. Uh, I think the the fact that they haven't really been able to repeat the same back three of, of the three central defenders mm. every game. Um, and as I say as well, just I think in a way, just kind of a, gre- a regression to to the mean has, has been partly what's what's happened. We need them to get a result uh, in midweek in the Champions League because, you know, Spanish football's reputation is hanging by a thread uh, in Europe at the moment. Uh, Atletico Madrid, uh, quote-unquote, hosting Chelsea in Romania yeah. uh, on uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, Real Madrid also in action, uh, taking on uh, Atalanta. Um, before we talk about Real Madrid, uh, a quick word about Levante and their incredible uh, performance, not just against Atletico Madrid, but against the big boys. Uh, they've beaten Real Madrid this season. They always cause Barcelona problems as well. And Paco Lopez's side have done it again. Yeah, and, and it's the way they do it as well. Um, they're, they're a very enjoyable team to, to watch. They combine very well. They're, they're very attacking. They don't just sit back, although there were periods in the second half in this game, at least, where they were just kind of hanging on a little bit. Um, and actually, Koke Anducha was talking after the game about it last night. He, of course, plays at kind of wing-back stroke full-back for them. And he he described them, I love that word, atrevido. I suppose you can daring. call it daring yeah. or brave or, yeah, a team that's, that's you know, willing to go at people, a team that's willing to take those risks. Um, and that given the relative limitations in terms of budget theoretically in terms of squad although I actually think there's four or five really nice talented players in that team now um, then you would say that yeah they've they've survived and survived pretty comfortably when Paco Lopez came in I think they hadn't won for 14 games something like that they were in big trouble and they've done all of this without going down the traditional route of a team in trouble which is okay Let's bring the shutters down. Let's play ultra-defensive. Let's put loads of men behind the ball and hope we get lucky at the other end. No, no, they've, they've tried to play. And even at times, I think, when they, that's probably created a, you know, a, 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 a kind of a series of heart attacks for their fans, they've continued to play like that, which is one of the reasons why they're, they're so enjoyable to watch. And also, Morales, they have a player who's very, very special. I don't know if you saw the heat map from this game. It was really quite enjoyable because their heat map was basically a splodge entirely inside their own half and this one kind of dagger-shaped thing up the left <laughs> wing, which was him. And that was, it was just literally, it was one thrusting line up the left wing and everything else in their own half. He, he was their out ball all the way through this game. One thrusting line. Uh, a nice description of uh, uh, José Luis Morales. Atletico Madrid, three points clear of uh, Real Madrid with a game in hand after that defeat. It's still a pretty good position, but they were 10 points clear uh, a few weeks ago. Yes. Real Madrid cutting the gap on their cross-city rivals with a victory. Uh, it wasn't a fantastic game if you weren't emotionally invested in it, even if you were. Um, it was a bit of a difficult watch, but it was a, a, another victory for Real Madrid, a fourth consecutive win after losing at home to uh, Levante last month. They've gone on this uh, four-game winning streak, three consecutive clean sheets as well. And as we've been saying in the last couple of weeks, reminiscent of Real Madrid's title-winning run last season. Yeah, uh, I mean, first things first... A team that has nine players unavailable, that has only one outfield player who's a first-team squad member on the bench um, and continues to win and not concede goals, I think it's to their enormous credit. Um, And I think it probably would be unfair 
for us to start, at least, with saying this really wasn't very exciting and really wasn't very good, because mm. it wasn't. But in those circumstances, I, I'm not really sure if we should necessarily be asking for a, a huge amount more from them. Although, as we've insisted on in previous pods, in a way, their problem hasn't been the starting eleven through most of these injuries. That Mostly, their starting eleven has been pretty much as strong as it can be. It's been the strength in depth that's been weakened. But of course, over time, that impacts upon the starting eleven. And on this occasion, actually, there were some unfamiliar faces in it. The fact that Mariano started up front, for example. The fact that Nacho continues to start uh, in the middle of the defence. That Lucas Bathgate, although I quite like him there, yeah. is having to play uh, at right back. Um, but they, but they have found a way through. Now, this game, you say, it was a bit like last year in that this was a team that I think Real Madrid. Is, I find Real Madrid a sort of a difficult team to fully put my finger on. Because, and I guess this is obviously a product of the fact that they've got Casemiro, Cruz and Modric. Right? They use the ball really quite nicely around the middle of the pitch. The ball, I thought, on Saturday night in, in the stadium was, was circulated pretty quickly, used pretty well, pretty cleanly. They were reasonably good at opening the pitch out and getting people running on the two wings. But it felt like it was, OK, it's good up to this point. And this point is kind of two-thirds of the way out of the pitch. And then there was pretty much nothing. And, 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 and so at that point, they sort of stopped being a good team. And it didn't feel particularly... Um, there's something about Madrid at the moment that it's, it sort of feels a bit... It's not just that there's a lack of creativity. It's sort of, sort of a bit bloodless as well, if you sort of mean. It's, it's a bit sort of academic. Um, and yet, somewhere along the line, you kind of always felt like they'd find a way through. They found a way through in a way that was very reminiscent of many games before, which is a brilliant free kick from Tony Cruz and a header from, from Casemiro. Now, that doesn't make it any less valid. What it, I think what it tells you is that this is a team that even when things aren't quite right, certainly when they, the way they won the league last year when they won 10 of their final 11 games, they find a way to get through, even if you don't watch them and think, wow, this is a good team and wow, this goal's definitely coming. Now, what's happened this year, of course, is quite often you've watched them and the goal hasn't come. Um, producer Al, in his production notes, has put here, is Courtois Real Madrid's player of the season? Uh, Casemiro is, with Courtois very, a very, very close second. That, that, that would be my kind of, you know, my sort of knee-jerk automatic reaction to that, to, to that question as I'm trying to get the dog to, 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 to go. She's got a cuddly um, dinosaur and she wants to play. It's that time of night when the, when, the, when the 9 o'clock game comes on, she always wants to play, so sorry about that. That's all right. Um, you can play with a cuddly dinosaur as well while you talk to us. Wait, You're good at multitasking. Yeah, well, because she, she will start barking. Ah, um, okay. Um, yes. Anyway, so, sorry, sorry, Casemiro. And, and I, was, I was thinking about this. Casemiro's goals, and I, I, I apologise because I've already forgotten, but actually someone from who scored um, the statistics website actually very kindly responded to my question about this on Twitter. And I think he said that of Casemiro's last seven goals, six of them have been the opening goal for Real Seven of the last eight. Quite often that's a, Seven of the in last the eight. And quite yeah. often that's the close, closing goal as, as well. And you do feel like this is a guy that appears when it matters. This is a guy that leads them in a way that... Possibly no one else does. And, and, and you're right. Well, Courtois is making decisive saves time and time again. But, but Casemiro, I think, is so important to them. Well, I mean, Sergio Ramos is quite a leader as well. But do you know what? Honestly, I think this season at least, well, all right, last season, that 11-game run, he was very, very important too. This season, he hasn't been. Partly because he hasn't been there. This season, I feel like Casemiro is more important. And I think Casemiro was their best player last year, apart from Benzema mm. as well. 
Okay, um, very, very important win for Real Madrid. Ground out. They have got a big game on Wednesday night as well against Atalanta in the Champions League without Karim Benzema, potentially. Uh, we don't know whether or not he's going to be fit enough to, to feature, but that is one position where they are um, a little bit threadbare in terms of backup because there's Mariano and Real Madrid Castilla's Hugo Duro, and that's it. Yeah. That's it. Um, I mean, I, I still think that in a team that provides the right kind of deliveries, Mariana would score goals. I'm not sure if Real Madrid is that team stylistically, but you're right. I mean, it's a massive climb down from from Benzema to to Mariano, uh, and again, even to to Odoro, who I still don't fully understand why Getafe let him go. Um, the in a way, is this is this something that's re- that's repeated? I mean, perhaps not, but if Real Madrid don't have Benzema, there's nothing there. If Atletico Madrid don't have Luis Suarez, there's nothing there as well. Unless, of course, Dembélé turns out to be very good. Um, and he played at the weekend and, and, and didn't do a huge amount. But, but I, think, I think you're right. I think that's a huge, huge loss for Real Madrid. I don't know enough to make this judgment with any kind of security um, or, or assurance. But I still do feel, though, that, that Real Madrid should be too strong for Atalanta. Uh, which, by the way, I don't feel with Atletico and Chelsea. No, no. I think there is a, a, a bit of a gap in the quality of uh, of opponents. But yeah, you you feel that there's definitely going to be goals in in Real Madrid, Atalanta, even if Real Madrid don't have Karim Benzema. There should be, yeah. shouldn't there? Yeah. Should be. Yeah. Although, although, did you notice that, that Zidane after the game on Saturday night started um, saying basically the things that he said during that eleven game run last year, which was if we defend well, something will mm. happen. Yeah, that would, and that's 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 very definitely where his focus has turned. Yeah, that was basically the strategy, wasn't it? We'll get at least one yes. chance, and, and we have to take it. Um, they had a few chances against uh, Vitaly, then they uh, finally managed to take it through uh, through Casemiro. Okay, on to then Barcelona one, Cadiz one. Barcelona twenty shots, eighty one percent possession, eight corners, and yet it finished one one. Um, this was a very strange game, Sydney. Or was it? Or was it exactly the kind of game that we could have expected? Well, in a way, it was exactly the game we expected because, of course, we've listened to Alvaro Ferreira, the Cardiff manager before, be absolutely unrepentant about being defensive, be unrepentant about about playing very, very deep and about recognising that there are clubs with uh, a level of talent that is well beyond theirs and therefore they have to play in this sort of way. So on that level... It's not surprising. That said, when they beat Real Madrid, that's not how they played. For the first half, at least, they really went at Real Madrid and created five or six chances. Um, The other reason why it was slightly surprising was that they really did come and park the bus. I mean, even for Cadiz, this was pretty extreme. It was a four-man defence, and then it was a five-man line in front of them. But that five-man line was almost directly in front of them. Almost right on the same line as them. And it was almost like there were nine players spread across the front of the penalty they, area. They, ha- they had so, conceded four goals in each of their last three games. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So of that five, the two wide men of that five basically became fullbacks. So you had a fourth centre-back and two fullbacks. And then the other three really, really close to them. Even Alvaro Negredo, who was the centre-forward, was normally only seven or eight metres from his own penalty area. And it really was, park the bus. Here's a big yellow wall. But the reason why I said it was interesting... As Oh, I thought Adelaide we were going to get the second then. The reason I say it was interesting is, is the curious thing was, despite parking the bus, they conceded quite early, continued to <laughs> park the bus, 
which actually maybe isn't a huge surprise because they felt to themselves, you know, for as long as it's only 1-0, we've got a chance. And of course, so it proves. So you could say this is tactical genius. But what I found so striking about it was actually this line of nine players wasn't working particularly well. Barcelona found their way beyond it surprisingly often because it's genuinely, and I think we should never forget this, however big a club you are, whether you're a Barcelona or a Madrid or a Man City or a Liverpool or whoever it is, if the other team only defends, mm. it's really difficult to break down. And yet Barcelona did find a way for it quite often. And I, I, also admit, I was watching the first half thinking, this, this park in the bus thing actually really isn't working. Not just in the scoreline where it's 1-0, but in the fact that it feels like another goal's coming. But then as the game went on, it started to feel less like that. And I don't know about you, I found it a very difficult game to be excited by in any way because it, it, it had become an exercise in can you resist for the whole game. And to be honest, until Cadiz scored, at no point, genuinely, at no point did it cross my mind that Barcelona wouldn't win mm. this. Because I could see, you know, I could say, oh, well, it might not be very exciting, but that goal will come. And it just didn't, or at least the second one didn't. It's a big blow for uh, Barcelona. It would have been a big blow uh, even if Atletico Madrid had, had, had won their game. But the fact that this was a real, real chance for them, Real Madrid had won, and they're not able to pick up a victory at home against Cadiz in a game that they've dominated. It's a big emotional blow. Why well, and the timing, and the timing as well. I mean, Kuman said afterwards, afterwards, he said this hurts almost more than midweek did. And I don't think that's true. But of course, it's a cumulative effect of the two mm. results. It's the fact that you get beaten in midweek that you need to then come back and, and kind of prove that, OK, there's still a season to play for. You then get Atletico Madrid put you in a position where actually, you know what? There is a season to be played for. There is a league title race here for Barcelona if they can continue. Because bear in mind, they came into this weekend, I think it's having picked up 32 of the last 36 points. Mm. You know, this is league title winning form. And if you've got Leo Messi in form, to be honest, you are always a candidate to win the league. Into, unless you're just too far away to catch up. And Atletico Madrid have put them in a position where actually they could come close. And then PK said after the game, he says it's really quite difficult to swallow to have been in this position and not to have won. And I think emotionally, I think emotionally, the, the, the impact is, is, is gigantic for Barcelona. I don't know if you saw the images of Leo Messi leaving the pitch at full time. He left I don't, I don't think I did actually, instantly, no. almost just before the whistle right. gone. He walked straight off, straight down the tunnel, looking extremely dejected. And these two results in the space of a, a few days might have gone further to decide his his future. Um, I don't know, certainly. It, yeah. it, it, it felt yeah. like he was just going, oh my goodness, this is it now. This is it, surely. Well, and, and, and bear in mind the context. And, and you yeah. know, I, 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 I'm, I'm culpable um, when, when they got that amazing comeback against Granada, I thought that emotionally that was really quite significant mm. for them. I thought we saw the signs of a team building. Not necessarily a brilliant team, but a team building. You know, this was something that, that could create a degree of unity. There was a sense that, that they were starting to enjoy it a bit. Pe- Pedri in particular seems to have had a, a really good impact on Messi. And then, of course, they get hit. And we talked about this and everybody talked about it after the PSG game. They got hit by reality. That was the thing. Un baño de realidad. As, as Kuban called it, you know, a bath of reality. Suddenly you can't avoid this. And I think that's the thing that made it so hard was that it didn't feel like it was an accident. Mm. It didn't feel like, oh dear, we cocked it up and there's a couple of really bad defensive mistakes. It just felt like, well, yeah, this is the truth. We're not that good. Well, let's see. Let's see how good they are. Probably not good enough to win 4-0 in, in Paris in, uh, uh, in, the, in the second I, leg. I, I, I think it's impossible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and possibly not good enough to get back in the title race. But there is still a long, long way to go. They're on 
47 points, uh, the same number of games as Atletico Madrid. Um, is that right? Yeah, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah. Correct, 23 games yeah, each. 23 yes. games each, and they are eight points behind Atletico Madrid. There is still a long, 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 long way to go. Um, how many How many points left, Sid? Uh, I don't know. Uh, a lot. <laughs> I think it's like 40, 45 <laughs> points or something. Around about 45. Some, something like that. By the way, um, looking at the league table, uh, Sevilla are two points behind Barcelona having played a game fewer. Yeah. And they are seven points behind Real Madrid having played two games fewer. So if there is league, that league includes Sevilla, doesn't it? Well, it should. Um, obviously, we'll see how they can juggle the difficulties yes. of Champions League uh, they've had a long long Copa del Rey uh, campaign as well uh, they're missing Lucas Ocampos as well who's going to be out for a while so uh, let's see how they can how they can juggle that in terms of the squad but yes in theory they've been one of the best teams in Spain without doubt this season and they're they're in there they're mathematically in there let's see if they're emotionally in there as well um before we go, just to let you know about our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash GSFP. If there's anything that we haven't talked about and you want us to talk about, send us a question. We will answer it on our Q&A pod, which we record every Tuesday. We've also got a bonus podcast out every Thursday as well. And the much-anticipated return of TSFP Presents. We've got a new series coming out on Patreon uh, called TSFP Presents Sliding Doors. We're talking about the sliding <laughs> doors moments of Spanish football. What if Sergio Ramos had uh, never scored that 93rd minute uh, equaliser in the Champions League? What if um, Messi had never signed for Barcelona? What if Florentino Perez hadn't been Real Madrid uh, president? What if Valencia had kept hold of all those brilliant players? Etc, etc, etc. Should be good fun and we're looking forward to getting underway with that this week on Patreon. Um, is there any other games? Do you want to talk about the game you were doing on the radio, Sid? Well, it was, it was a really big game. It's uh, Wesker against Granada. Wesker went 3-1 up. Granada then scored to make it 3-2, but Wesker held on and actually relatively comfortably. There is very definitely a sense of Wesker heading in the right direction. It's very, very tight at the bottom now. They've given themselves a chance. I'm not saying by any means that they definitely will get out of it, but look at the bottom now. Wesker are bottom on 19 points. Vidalis 21, Elche 21, Abar 21, Alaves 22, Getafe 24, Cardiff and Osasuna still not entirely out of it, although Osasuna have a game tomorrow night. They're both on 25. You feel like Valencia are probably out of trouble now on 27, but but it's really, really tight down there. And Wesker, who did seem to have gone, you start to wonder now if there is half a chance that, that they survive. There's... There's a, there's a there's a lot of there's a run of really big games um, coming up. So for example, I think next weekend, I think you've got Wesker playing at Abar, mm-hmm. and also you've got Alaves playing at home against Osasuna. So those two on Saturday of next week are, are going to be really really huge. I don't think Vidalith are safe at all, um, and and so I think I think from Wesker's point of view that's massive. Of course, Pacheta took over. He's Changed their formation. I think he's changed the way that they play. They're a little bit more defensive, but they're also a bit more uh, aggressive, a bit more direct. Um, and 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 maybe he's given the one team that seemed to be completely gone the hope that they're not yet. Absolutely, um, they're, they're very much in it, and it is incredibly tight. 
at the bottom of the table. Um, just a quick word on the Segunda as well. Leaders Espanyol beat Sabadell 1-0 thanks to R.T.D.T.'s 15th goal of the season. Hesse, remember Hesse? Hesse came off, yes. came off the bench for Las Palmas in their uh, 2-0 win versus Cartagena. There was an incredible... Incredibly poor, comically poor, pathetically poor attempt at Photoshop from the Las Palmas um, social media team. Uh, Yeah, it made ours look good, didn't it? It was was amazing. It was was ridiculous. But uh, anyway, he was uh, photoshopped onto another member of the uh, squad as he he came off the bench. Uh, Oviedo playing on Monday night against Fuenla. We we don't need to talk about uh, Rio. As we said this week, Atletico Madrid against uh, Chelsea in Bucharest on Tuesday night. Atalanta against Real Madrid on Wednesday night in the Champions League. We'll be reflecting on both of those games uh, in our bonus podcast on patreon.com forward slash TSFP plus the Q&A pod as well answering all your questions there's loads that we didn't talk about if you want to ask us about um, Valencia and, the, and they scored by the way in the 94th and 98th minute against uh, Celta mm. incredibly late goals uh, from uh, Valencia if you were, uh, want to talk about Athletic Club or, or Villarreal or anything 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 ask us a question and we will answer it so join us on patreon.com forward slash TSFP otherwise it's okay we'll be back here next week we always are Adios. Cheerio. Network.